tonight's Cleveland Moto Podcast has the maximum amount of ambiance of any podcast ever. The sound you're hearing is our uh, 55-gallon drum that's been carved into a tiki god, and it's full of pallet wood from Moto Guzzi crates. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're... Uh, it's and the they're night. Roasting along. They are roasting along quite nicely. Steve Hoffer did a great job getting our fire going. There's a lot of nails. I in like there. to burn things. <laughs> <laughs> we have Johnny Cochran here today. Hola. Chris Smith. Hey guys. And Dustin Elliott. Hello. Of course. And we're in front of the garage, out out on the front porch, if you will. And yeah, I figure uh, if we can be loud in the garage with the garage door open, right. we could be loud outside of the garage with the garage door open. Right, and so it's and the neighbors will actually get to hear a podcast. And today's exactly. probably about 45, Yeah, it was degrees. 44 degrees when I left the house, <laughs> so it's the perfect time for a nice roaring fire, and uh, it'll give us a nice little audio background noise, and our podcast listeners will fall asleep to the sound of a roaring I fire. Yeah, it might be a sleepy time podcast. It might be a sleepy time <laughs> yeah, podcast. everybody's asleep. Oh, but it's the not... the podcast, we should just hang out for like 45 minutes and say nothing. Just be like, hey. And just let the firewood crackle. Right, exactly. Like that, uh, like that fireplace uh, thing you can turn the TV to in the holidays. Yeah, we'll except the... for they ruined that. They started playing music and shit. I did find we'll that on... the audio version of a Bob Ross painting. <laughs> the audio version. <laughs> happy little trees. Happy little what happy, happy little, little trees sound here. like? I was uh, <laughs> I discovered on my cable or on my Netflix or whatever that they have the fireplace and then they also have the fireplace with no music and they have like two different fireplaces. So they have like you know your choice of which kind of ambiance you want in the way of an electric fireplace. Now that I have a fifty-five inch flat panel, it's looking like my entire wall's on fire. They had an aquarium for a while too. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just. It is one of those things. You know, this thing, when I have it in my backyard and it's running in the wintertime, it throws off quite a bit of heat. And you don't need to have a jacket on outside with this particular thing burning. We've got a pot of about a gallon of apple cider with, uh, who did we say the name of the whiskey was? Jeremiah, Jeremiah Weed. Weed. Jeremiah Weed's Cinnamon Spiced Whiskey. Speaking of weed. Yeah, just a smidge, just, a smidge, just yeah. half the bottle. <laughs> I figured the ratio out, and then I just kept pouring. Thirty-two ounces. <laughs> we did th- we did one quart of booze to a half a gallon of uh, cider. Cider. Yeah, it'll work. So it's yeah, I sure. figured out. That's like the methanol. <laughs> it's, it is exactly. Yeah, we're gonna get Steve to spin it later. Right. <laughs> we're gonna agitate and spin and we're it. Gonna get, we're gonna get our booze back, and he's gonna <laughs> just spin it in his stomach. <laughs> The uh, for the podcast tonight, one of the things I did want to talk about is as we are sitting, yeah, as soon as we're sitting here in 44 degrees, uh, we've had a lot of people call the shop and ask about the right way to put your bike to bed. And I know we've talked about this in the podcast before, but it only takes a few minutes, so we're going to talk about it again for our new listeners. Bring it to us for winter storage. Right. I mean, that's obviously the best way. If you have a shop that offers winter storage and you don't have a good garage or somewhere to put your bike. The way our shop does it is you pay for the winter storage, but we also include your spring service as part of that storage. So when you come and pick your bike up in the springtime, it's really ready to go. Now, part of good winter storage is first, before you actually put the bike up, is you do want to make sure that the fuel in the tank is as fresh as possible so you can really get ahead of that 60-day or 90-day lifespan that modern gas has. Now... If you have somewhere near you and you can look it up online and you can find places that will sell you gasoline that has no ethanol in it. Around us, I think Strongsville is the only one and Chardon, Chardon has the two locations, one on the west side, one on the east side, where you can buy gasoline that's ethanol free. 
It usually comes as 89 octane, the one in Chardon. You can only buy 89 octane. Is that the place Chardon oil? Free. It is. It's Chardon oil yeah. or Western Reserve oil, right? And it's Chardon oil is what you're looking for. That's what is it on the west side? A landmark? A landmark? <clears throat> I'm not sure what it is on oh. the west side, but I do. Stick your poker. I don't have a just poker. Poker. I just have a plastic ladle, and that made that's a good improvement <laughs> for next time. I'll bring a metal ladle, so we can also so it doubles as a as a fire wrangler. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! It is hot, isn't it? Yeah. No, your leg is burning. Oh my god! Here. Do we want to shut the, uh, shut yeah, the door? Yeah, we might want to shut door? the door. Shut the trap door. Um, my it's iPhone's probably melting. hot. There we go. Okay. See how convenient that is? Looks great. Yeah. Even got the spring on the door handle to dissipate heat. Don't touch it. It's still bloody hot. The, uh... Well, I just bought a center stand for my mana. You did? Yeah, that's right. Because I put every single one of my bikes up on the center stand, too. Good move. Because I don't want a flat spot of tire. Right. That's another. That's a great thing for parking the bikes for long term. Uh, if you can get the weight off the tires or minimize the weight on the tires, that's a great thing. Uh, if you're going to... If you cannot physically empty the gas tank all the way, if you're going to empty the gas tank all the way, you'd better fog the inside of the gas tank. And I'm not talking about just WD-40 because that stuff won't stick to the metal on the sides of the tank. It's better than nothing, but you should get a fogging oil if you're going to fog right. the inside of the tanks. But you're better off to just keep it full. I so. think so, too. I agree. Keep them full. Have some product in there like Startron or something to help minimize the effects of the ethanol. Remember too, folks, that if you if you are somewhere that I, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, where the hell are you going to be that there's no bike shop? I started to say if you're if you're not near a, a bike shop that is has the supplies, most marine supply stores excellent, yeah, would also have boat shops. Yep, would also Perfect. have the things to to store engines for the winter. Right, that's a good tip. The uh, and those guys do know because they're storing. $100,000 boats yep. that sometimes have two gasoline-powered engines in them and carry 500 gallons of gas. They really want to protect their investment. So, good thing to look for tips at your local um, nautical joint. Now, as far as shutting them down, if you don't have a fuel tap on your motorcycle to physically shut the fuel off... I'd tap that. I would totally tap that. Tap just about anything. <laughs> Well, one of the things you can do is you can grab a set of ice grips and you can pinch your fuel line and run your bike until it dies. Um, if you want to fog your intake track, like go into your airbox, and maybe that's a decent spot for some WD-40 or some fogging oil, um, fog that before the bike dies so you get that last gasp of something in your carburetor other than ethanol craziness. Um, decent thing. Uh, what do you recommend, Steve, for bikes that you can't shut the fuel tap off? You have any tips or tricks? I actually, I mean, I, I only have a few, mm -hmm. but I can't. And most of them are, va but they're vacuum taps. Vacuum taps, yeah. So, I mean, you hope they hold. Right. Exactly. And that's all. I mean, I don't. I the really. The diaphragms. I don't, the the diaphragms inside of fuel taps and the gaskets inside of fuel taps can be a very fragile thing, especially on a bike that wasn't really engineered to run ethanol fuel and now it is. So if your bike is older, that is a thing that, you know, if you do want to really preserve that fuel tap, fuel taps are not cheap anymore. There are plenty of Japanese motorcycles where you can spend upwards of $100 on a new fuel tap. So you do want to get that nice and lubed up. And any normal oil, if you can get oil into that fuel tap, it'll protect that rubber gasket and that diaphragm in there. Um, your 
carburetors, if you want to be super crazy about it, diaphragm carbs or vacuum carbs, that diaphragm in there, if you can get that nice and oiled, boy, that's going to really help extend the life of that too. Um, those are all excellent tips. You should change your oil before you lay them up because your oil, of course, is going to have junk in it. It's going to be yeah, acidic. acidic. It's going to be acidic at the end of the season. So go ahead and change your oil. It's better to change it late in the season than early in the season. Um, I have no problem with changing your oil in November and then running on that oil in the springtime. Right, because the additives will be the... They're still there. Will be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll still be there. So I've, I think that changing oil before you lay a bike up for the winter is always a great idea. And then the battery itself, if you're going to leave the battery in, make sure you have an Optimate or a battery tender on that battery. Uh, I think it's just a good idea to put the pigtail on it. Yeah. If you get a new yeah. battery, just put a pigtail on it. Right. And be ready to use a... Yeah. Uh, I plug mine in any time I'm not riding it. Uh, it's just a matter for me. And when it goes in the garage, I plug it into the battery tender. This way I know it's always ready for me the next time I want to ride. The uh, Another thing that when I well, another thing I do, I keep my... Well, I have a number of places where I keep my bikes. And some are less secure from rodents. Yeah. And if you're concerned... Many times I'll find... Well, in the past, I would find like corn because mm-hmm. I raise chickens too. And the the... Mice get little bits and pieces of food, and yeah. they crawl up in your muffler, yep. or they crawl up into every little space in your bike. You can put mothballs underneath your bike. Oh, okay. Protective ring. Like, well, yeah, and it's kind of like salt to keep you away from like mothballs in a pentagram <laughs> shape. <laughs> we'll keep the satanic mice away from your bike. <laughs> but it does seem to work because the last yeah. few years I have not had any you, yeah. issues with any rodents anywhere near my bike. What about the moths? There's no moss either. All right. Yeah. I've got the wash plug for my DRZ. Right. Yeah. So oh, I you just, could stick it in there. Yeah, oh, yeah, stick it that's a good idea. Put the wash you know, when you have to wash it, you just boom, you, yeah. you bung it up with that. Yeah. 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 Looks like a butt out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, a, it's such a, or a shame. Butt plug. It's, it's just a giant butt plug. Yeah. It's yeah. a shame you have to run through hoops. Mind. Giant. Or jump through hoops <laughs> because of the ethanol in the gas. Right. And it that's is. That's the biggest. The ethanol is definitely. The ethanol creates more problems than anybody else has ever had to deal with. Does the ethanol attract the mice? Yeah, because they like getting drunk. Because <laughs> they like corn. Because they like yeah. that corn. Yeah, <laughs> they smell the corn. They're right there. Like that's corn whiskey. We're gonna get in all of it. Uh, they pour water in your tank and then right. they suck it off the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the because they're thinking for the scooting crowd and for that matter, there's quite a few motorcycles that have remote uh, fuel taps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to auto parts store. You can buy hose clamps mm-hmm. that look like small. C channels with a thumbscrew on them. Yes, right. If you can, if you can, go between the fuel tank and the right. fuel tap <coughs> on the fuel supply line. Yeah, and put that little pincher on. Pinch there. it off. Yeah, and then go ahead and do your thing and run it out of fuel. Yep. That would be a way to get the fuel away from the diaphragm. The tap. Yeah. In the tap. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, there's there's a slew of Hondas out there that have the double. Yeah. The double tap. There's double a pump tap and a tap. And, yeah. You know you. Your, your, what do those have? Do those have on-off reserve? They have on-off reserve, and but they're usually they vacuum a, then over. They have a gigantic supply hose. Yeah, yeah. Completely oversized supply hose, and then another weird-looking little diaphragm. Looks like a mm-hmm. tiny little propane mixer almost. Yeah. And they are, what fucking expensive? They're really expensive. Like, like I said, about a hundred dollars. Yeah, about a hundred bucks. <laughs> and if one of those goes south on you. 
you're going to find out real quickly that without that diaphragm in there, you're not getting any fuel anymore. The bikes will run. We've had two. Yeah. The bikes will run. At least the Honda VTs, the Shadows. The Shadows, yeah. They'll run, but they won't. They won't run fast. Exactly. You try to get up in the interstate and they surge. Yep. And that's a very common malady. Like we get people all the time. They're like, it'll go 50, but it won't go 60. And if, if that's the symptom, then we know immediately it's that, da- it's that diaphragm petcock. And unfortunately, they're really expensive. But I wonder if you lose couldn't just take the vacuum line off the right. and run, <laughs> right. run the gas out or yeah. run, run your motor out Absolutely. with the vacuum right. line right. off right. because that has a, a metal plug with an O-ring. And, mm-hmm. and if gotcha, that's Hank. still isolating the, the vacuum, it's still isolating the diaphragm. Right. The vacuum diaphragm doesn't actually touch the fuel. Right. But I, mean, I imagine the fumes are, could potentially yeah. be there. Yeah. But if you run it out with that vacuum line off, you're going to purge your carburetor. Well, yeah, the fumes are definitely the there. Anything yeah. you can do to keep the gas in the tank and out of the rest of the fuel system is probably the best thing you can do for your motorcycle. I, I Whatever just, system your particular you bike does that. That's and that's a, big, that's a big thing. Now, the... We'll see if it gets All bets are off with fuel injection. Though. Right. Well, with <laughs> fuel injection, that's actually kind of nice because when you shut the bike off, the fuel pump's not running anymore. And if you've got any kind of additive in your tank, that's gone through the fuel injector, too. So that's a decent thing to have long, in your bike. As long as the fuel is treated mm-hmm. with something like a Startron or yep. whatever your favorite <coughs> brand is. Right. Test and coming soon. Test, test coming, coming soon. soon. Yes, exactly. Yep. I'll have it by next week. Right. Um, what, what's nice about fuel injection is if, by chance, a little bit of gumming does happen. Right. Hey, you know... In a, in a carburetor, there's nothing there to to help out that yeah. somewhat thickened fuel along. Right. That fuel injectors have plenty of pressure. Yes, yeah. plenty of pressure to help you along, and it's and it's easy to in the springtime if you want to pull your injectors out and clean them. They're usually pretty darn easy to get to. Yep. So that's not too bad. The uh, the one thing that we definitely did want to talk about is the covering thing. Uh, I know a lot of people go crazy with the covers. Okay, this is not the time to have the completely waterproof barbecue grill cover, which is basically just a big rubber bag that you put your bike in. You do want to have air be able to come come and go. Like a Gore-Tex. Yeah, you want to have a cover that is not, it's not going to be your favorite cover for being a shelter in the rain. Uh, you want to make sure that air is moving around that motorcycle. Don't pull that, don't punch well, that okay cover It's okay for motorcycles to get wet. It is okay, as long as they get dry again. Yeah. And what you don't want to do is create a little biosphere under that cover, because with that condensation, hot, hot in the, hotter in the daytime, cooler at night. Yeah, go, Chris. What about putting a uh, piece of cardboard down? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would also uh, hold moisture, though, right. too. Right. Mm-hmm. I would think you're better off on a, a flat, dry surface that and, doesn't absorb water. And desiccant bags are great. You can get desiccant bags almost Something's anywhere. On the top of that. Yeah, it's that bottle cap you oh. put up there. <laughs> and so you can get desiccant bags almost anywhere, and you can throw a couple of desiccant bags in by your motor. That'll help trap a lot of that moisture over the season. Desiccant. Desiccant. It's just a silica gel or whatever. What I do is I put a fan in my garage, too, for air circulation. This is what I was coming around to. If you can... Don't be such a desiccant bag. Yeah, yeah, don't be a D-bag. If you can find your way and you have a cold garage and you're not going to have any heat in your garage, having a fan blowing under your bike is going to help you so much because it's going to get that air moving through there. And it's going to get any trapped moisture out from under the skirt, so to speak. And that's really <clears throat> awesome. You can spend big bucks on an inflatable 
type bubble bubble for your you bike that bike? has a fan in it <laughs> and the fan moves a lot of air in and there's vents to let a lot of air out and it stays inflated all winter long um, some of them have a structure built into them. Some of them are just bubbles. Can you, know? you put confetti in it so it so looks like snow a big snow globe? So <laughs> awesome. Throw your favorite plant <laughs> in there, cash, too. And your yeah. friends can go in there and try and <laughs> do the cash grab. Right. In the summertime, you can grow your herb in there. The, uh, it keeps a nice, balanced environment. But also, oh, yeah. if you're running a heater, you have yeah. to understand. Like, you know if you're, the Depending on the kind of heater, like if you yeah. decide you want to put a heater in your garage or you want to work on your bike in yeah. the winter or whatnot, it depends on what kind of heater you use. If you use an electric heater, it's not going to add moisture to that <clears> environment. <throat> right. If you use a propane heater or a kerosene heater yeah. or a bullet heater or a torpedo heater, you're going to add a bunch of moisture in this non-moist air, and you're going to have to start over again. Yes, you are. And so that's, that's why the I fan is so important. Heater. How am I? Natural gas that's produces That produces moisture, too. Mm-hmm. Fuck! Oh, but <laughs> but the thing is, if you you just need to open what your garage door when gas? you're done, and all Any that moisture guess. goes out. Any yeah. guess. But you yeah. want to, the fan is probably the best thing you can do to yeah, keep the moisture down. The time, yeah. So. Oh, you could. There's no doubt about it. Methane <laughs> contains moisture. Just check your drawers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never released any moisture that I, or any methane that I wasn't concerned about moisture as well. <laughs> Sometimes after a good release of methane, you need a courtesy wipe. The. Uh, yeah. That but, fucking old gas that you pour in there smells so bad. It actually produces too much. Oh, you, can you smell it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The uh, it's smelling like the cider's up to about no, that was me. The cider's up to about 110 degrees, so we're getting real close on the <clears> cider. <throat> the uh, so that's a good thing. Keep the air moving. If you're going to cover your bike, make sure that the bike can still get some air. Make sure the bike can breathe. If the bike can't breathe, all you're doing is creating a moisture-rich environment. And I've seen bikes come out from covers, and I've gone to people's garages. To pick up bikes in the spring or spring. People call me in the spring. They're like, my bike won't start. It won't get running. It's out in my garage. Go pick it up. And I'll go to pick it up. I'll pull the cover up. And even though it's a dry day and it's a dry garage, you pull the cover up and there's just water on everything. And the the pipes are rusty. The rims are rusty. It's such a tragedy when you put a bike away that was rust free. And now you have this even level of rust and pitting on everything. Because the guy was trying to be good. He was trying to cover his bike. But meanwhile, he did the worst thing for it. He trapped it in a super humid environment. Yeah, nice. So take note, pod listeners. Well, yeah, and then please, you, you know, I do this now every year where I spray my bikes down. And I spray them with ACF 50. There's a number of things you can use. And, boy, if you can just spray the shiny parts down with a good tacky lubricant like that, you know, my it works great. My old man's friend, yeah, or pledge that, that kept his shit in the in the in the, in the works Why not? roll in basement. Water won't stick to it. Uh, it sounds hokey, but he used I want to say he used Pam or whatever yeah. brand of. Why not vegetable used, spray? Yeah, vegetable oil. Spray or whatever. There's so many things. The whole idea is you want it to stick to the bike a little bit, but you also know that if if it's sticking to the bike, water can't hang out there. So you know we're not at, we're not telling you to coat your entire back bike in wax. But there's a number of things you can spray on it that will do a great job of keeping water from sticking to it and causing a galvanic process that's going to make rust. You know, I don't know, why, go, go I don't know why so many people seem to think that, you know, well, my garage is attached, so it's semi-heated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to open the big door that much, so it'll right. be okay. Yeah. And they, they seem to like <clears throat> think of the machine as like a person or whatever. And 
Well, I'm going to put a nice soft blanket over it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to put the old blue tarp over it. The, that is the worst combination it ever. It is. It's horrible. It's the the, the nice, like, you know, my old Afghan. Well. Right. My old Afghan, yeah. my old blanket, whatever, the comforter off the bed that's been dead now for 20 years. I'm going to throw that on the bike, and then I'm going to throw a blue tarp over yeah, it. Just... And you've just created a giant, huge wick. And it's going to pull all the moisture up from your garage floor. It's going to pull all the moisture in from the environment. Well, the mold, if you ever looked the mold at the days, likes it too. The mold loves it. At the days when it gets warmer in your garage yeah. in the wintertime, yeah. your garage sweats. floor weeps. Oh, it does. Yeah, my garage just, floor gets wet. I mean, wet. my garage floor is just wet. Yeah. It just weeps up, and I, I look at it, I'm just horrified. Yeah. I just thought my garage was getting moist because of all my cool toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just excited to be under them. The, uh, they always said that a detached garage is more... Uh, well, it's a better environment for uh, classic cars. So, yeah. I'd imagine it holds true for motorcycles as well. So those are all excellent ideas. But for those of you know, if you're riding your bike deep into the like mm-hmm. towards the winter, yeah, I think the biggest problem is the salt. It Squirrel. is, and that's the and the salt. <laughs> anytime you're gonna, anytime you're gonna ride the bike in the salt. And we all do. I mean, I, I have bikes. I mean, I, I crashed have, my bike. In the salt. You crashed your bike in the salt, exactly. <laughs> it went to the salvage yard, all salty. That's right. <laughs> it's salty at you. I don't know why you were trying to ride when there was. It was so bloody cold. There was snow, literally measurable snow, falling from the sky, and there was black ice everywhere. And when James told me you crashed your bike, I was like, "What the fuck was he doing, even riding it?" I mean, Poor it was not a day that anybody should have been out riding there their bike. There was a little sun out that day. Yeah, okay. Chris, like, oh, there sorry, was, Blake, yeah. you mad, bro? Yeah. Well, my rule of thumb is like 32, if it's below 32, yeah. and the bike doesn't get wet, mm-hmm. so it's probably more like 25, Right. and the bike doesn't get wet, if it gets salt on it, <coughs> I don't touch it, I don't wash it, Leave I don't, it. I don't yeah. get any moisture on it, because the salt's not going to affect anything without moisture. Without moisture. Yeah. But if you think that the bike's going to get wet at all, right. Or the temperature is going to increase beyond 32, yep. then that's when you really have to wash it. Boy, I don't care how much you wash it. If you that get micro crystalline salt I say. goes everywhere. If you get it a little bit wet, you better get it a fucking lot wet. Because right. the moment you crack the seal on a salty day and you get that bike a little bit wet, like one puddle, and I assure you, anytime they're salting the roads, there will be the errant puddle where there's a little bit more salt. And that's when you bring the bike home and get the garden hose out. Hopefully you haven't left it on the front of the house so it's full of ice and blown out and useless. Get your garden hose out. People in California don't necessarily have to pay too much attention. If you're in Texas, Florida, California, you probably don't need to listen to this. California's not allowed to use their hose anymore. That's true. Right. <laughs> what are yeah. find? Yeah, they can they'll send all their hose over here, you know? <laughs> yeah, we, we could use more hose. <laughs> Whenever you say hose, you got to follow it up with you. All my hoses are cracked up from last winter. The... Uh, but yeah, get that's the time to go ahead and get the bike completely. So Dustin and I, one year, we went for a ride on January sixth or something. Yeah, sixth or seventh, and it, it was a beautiful day. It was in the sixties. It was crazy warm. It was insane. But there was definitely but the roads were white with the roads were white with salt. salt. <laughs> they were not that bad because we actually had some rain well, before that. When yeah, we Steve, left so the bar, down. sorry. Yeah. Well, when we left the <laughs> when bar, we left the bar. Famous last word. No, well. <laughs> Where else do you think we're riding to? Come on. It's January 6th. They're going to go celebrate. Got to have antifreeze some, right. somewhere. So we'd gone to the bar, and that moment when we were like, yeah, we should probably leave. That was the st- second bar. It started raining. That was the second bar. Yeah, yeah. it was pouring. And it started pouring. So we had to ride our bikes home. And it wasn't far, but we had to ride our bikes home in a died. solid downpour. And I was riding your bike. I was riding your Vulcan. 
So why that's rusty. No. <laughs> so I was riding the Vulcan. You were riding something. My cafe racer. Your cafe racer. So we left and got home. And what I did was I took the garden hose out and I like I hosed the living hell out of the Vulcan. Like got all the nooks and crannies. And then I took my Seems leaf logical. blower. And, and blow dry. Oh, hell yeah, nice. man. I took the leaf blower and I blow dried the, the shit out of that bike. And then I gave it the WD-40 treatment on all the... That's what I do, too. The genitals area. <laughs> croil. Yeah, a croil. I parked yeah, exactly. mine and made a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was like riding... a true podcaster. I was riding somebody else's bike. I had to ex- exercise a little more care. But, yeah, that is... Like, eh. So putting the bikes up is super important. And putting them up right is super important. I'm going to stir the cider because I think we're ready to have some cider. Sweet. And then, while I'm stirring the cider, I would like to start talking about... The the hottest topic since oh Ducati launched its Scrambler, the topic that the entire internet is talking about, and that is the new 1200 from Triumph. So, Dustin, if you could get us started on the new 1200 from Triumph, well, I'm going to go ahead and... it's just the new 1200. It's that entire new Triumph line. Sure. Uh, they have the whole new kind of retro vintage new line coming out, and... Uh, I'm just going to say from a personal standpoint, they're all pretty gorgeous bikes. I mean, See, they, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. They, they've, the got, they've just got the look. If you're into the vintage thing, they've got it. I mean, they've just fucking nailed it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, John, you were looking up some notes on the uh, Triumph 1200. If we want to focus on that bike in particular... Would you like to get, get, yes, try that out was, and see if that works? We was looking at them, weren't we? Um, yes, we was. We was. I was reading about pre, uh, pre-production unit, I believe. Yeah, but they were it's saying that they're perfect. Uh, they well, for are, me, but I like things that are not super hot. Higher compression than thank you. Than You're welcome. Latest, latest design or than last design. What they say about that? High compression and uh, yeah, it was high compression and. Uh, 270 degree phasing of the crank. Well, the thrust needs to be 60, isn't it? I thought the thrust was 270. The 2016. I thought it was 360. The 2016 1200s <clears throat> are 270 degree phasing. I'd heard they'd set it up so you're going to get a real nice they, V20 kind of line. They bumped. They bumped the compression up to give it. There'll be more, the, but the, the combination this is just to of get those you going. two supposedly give it a super brawny, super flat torque curve that produces 80 plus percent of the, the total torque from 3,000 to 7,000, wasn't it, Dustin? Yeah. RPM, which I can't imagine a parallel twin spinning seven, but okay, if they say so. <laughs> not 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 phased like that. I mean, I can imagine a, a small displacement, you know, 180. Yeah, I mean... Spin yeah, my 180 and my my CB350 spins 7,000, no problem. Supposedly, they will put out what was the number? Um, 80, uh, 80 foot pounds, 80 units of torques. Yeah, 80, yeah, 80 foot pounds of torques, and when it's uh, up to 100 horsepower. And the spe- speculation was around 100 horsepower. Sure, that seems very reasonable. If the production for that. bike, if the production engine winds up being very similar to what they were. <laughs> You know, talking about the, the pre-production. Why um, FCR made 100 horsepower? Come on. Well, and no. the trick is your FCR didn't make 100 torques. And no, it didn't. That's the big... I'm talking about... 
70-ish foot-pounds of torque or above from 3,000 to 7,000 RPM. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's really going to give that bike... That's a happy number. Some real, real balls. And Yeah, yeah. You know what I was... that open for a minute. Yeah, what I was thinking about when I was reading these... It's going to catch quick. There's a lot of heat in the bottom. Yeah, when I I was reading all the, the numbers and things, and the two biggest numbers that I think people are really concerned about really haven't been released yet... Has anybody seen weight? No. Okay. No. And I, nobody's seen price. So no. <laughs> the biggest, I think my concern or my curiosity is... both going to be up there. Well, so the first question is, if they're going to build this bike in the same facility that they've been using in Thailand, and the magic of Thailand has been the Bonnevilles have been very affordable because of that Thailand build. But Thailand because they've been building... The 900s, the two the two cylinders, in Thailand, they've had a, a very affordable bike. You can buy a Thruxton for under ten grand. But is that because of the labor rate? Of course it is, because okay. wow. you know Thailand. The guy that sweeps the factory floor in England gets forty bucks an hour, twenty five bucks an hour. Well, you know the guy who's building the bike in Thailand isn't getting three or four dollars an hour. He's getting forty bucks a month. Maybe I just twenty five bucks a week. I just can't get by the. Carburetor-esque throttle bodies. The fake carburetors, yeah. You know, and I, I can't get by that. I mean, it's like... Well, in my opinion, it's the biggest sin because they didn't even try to make their fuel injectors look like good carburetors. They tried to make them look like CVKs. Yeah, so it's like, if, they're really if you're going to try to emulate something, try to emulate a flat slide or something awesome and cool, you know, try to make them look like an old Maikuni, don't try to make them look like... Shit, make them, try to make them look like a fucking they, A-Mall or they something. Look, they look like Lego carburetors. Yeah, don't try to make them look like a CVK carb. <laughs> if you're going to try to lie to me with the fuel injector, at least try to lie about something that's really, really cool, you know? Yeah, man. CRs or something, you know? Have you ever seen OCC make it look like a little fire hydrant? Yeah, make it look like something fun, right? Yeah. The, Here's uh, the numbers. 80, foot, 80 pounds feet right. at 5K. Right. That being said, yeah. they are projecting... Torque staying within ten percent, so yeah, within eight, so very know, flat, yeah, seventy-two or more, right? Torques, yeah, from three thousand RPM to almost seven thousand RPM. That's fantastic! Line. What a good motor that is. You know, that's going to be something that's going to be really fun to ride. Six-speed gearbox. <clears throat> are they? Cool. Are they doing six-speed? Yeah, okay. that's kind of crazy for that big of a torquey motor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's going to be it's going to give you some real something, and. <laughs> I, You'll have your highway well, gear. It depends on what what are they going to do with that sixth gear. Of course. Well, is it going to be five little? Is it going to yeah. be you know five little tiny gears in a massive overdrive, or, or is it going to be six well spaced, awesome gears? So or five or six space gears that right. don't give you a good tap. Eh? Right. Exactly. So you know until the bike is ridden, we really don't know what's going to happen. I did think it was interesting that they're going to offer the bike in a normal level of trim. But then they're going to also offer a better bike with Olean's suspension and everything else on mm-hmm. it. So that's, you know, that's good because then the guys that really aren't going to exploit racing suspension don't need to pay for it. For improved right performance, show a big piston inverted fork. Yeah. It uh, was fitted with Olean's. Probably Olean's oh, no. piggybacks or something. What? Uh, yeah, these, the, is the, it the a, unique tri- rear of the unique tribe was fitted with Olean's shocks. Yeah, uh, Brembo monocoque calipers, mm-hmm. Brembo master cylinders. And what I read people constantly is it a saying: two seventy or a three sixty? It's two seventy. Yeah. Well, then the old yeah. trucks, the, the old, the older motors were three sixty. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay. they were three sixties. So, yeah, yeah. 
That's I just don't like the 270 phasing. They I said just that. Don't like well, they the said they wanted to it. give it. They wanted to give the motorcycle a big twin feel, and that's Alert. what they've done. They've given the motorcycle a potato. You know, yeah, here's well, your British potato. What they're saying about it is the 270 degree. Uh, crank was lightened. Yeah. Relative to that, the regular Bonneville and the T120 uh, for a quicker <coughs> throttle response, compression increase. And freer flowing airbox combined to produce high and very smooth torque curve. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to talk the numbers. Well, if anybody wants to trade their warm cider for burn your face off cider, no, we, we have achieved burn your face off cider. <laughs> no burn your I'll face upgrade. Off. Yep. Yeah, go ahead and give it a dump and I'll give it a swirl. Yeah, the. Uh, you know, I just had a thought, and yeah. this may be a stupid thought, but why couldn't you have a triple that phased the two outside cylinders at, you know, 360, they came right. up together, mm-hmm. and have a, twi- a double displacement piston as your c- c- center cylinder right. that was 180 degrees off. Right. I mean, wouldn't that give you some good balance there? It would seem like any triple is going to give you better balance to begin with, but then doing what you're talking about, going with, like, are you talking about dissimilar piston sizes? Right. The oh, wow. I mean, that's crazy. But, I mean, if, <laughs> if Honda got away with the NSR 750 with oval pistons, why can't you do round pistons but just have three different size pistons other than... Well, I was saying two on the outside right. would, be, would equal the Smaller, displacement right. of the sure. one in the Harmo- center. Right. Harm- internal harmonics would just tear it apart if internal, it wasn't... Internal, single, external, twingle. It wasn't absolutely perfect balance. <laughs> Internal <laughs> single, <laughs> external <laughs> swingle. Oh, <laughs> external twingle. Swingle. Sharing, swingle. sharing swingle. one very oddly shaped Conrad. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> listeners, you want to know this cider is just See about See what goes on in this head. It's not Flying. good. There's nothing <laughs> good that goes on in this head. Flying double with two little pistons and one big one. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but swingle if you had the, a swingle. We have plenty of it. But if they were all like made to produce the same, good? the two outside ones produce the same power as the inside one. Is it good? Yeah, that's fine. Do you want me to make that warmer for so you, John? It be... Oh, that's yummy. Um, I, can make it, I can make it hotter for you. Oh, he's just going to empty the glass. Nice. I'm still a fan of two crankshafts. It leaks, yes. It leaks, yeah. The common combustion chamber. The, uh, the dual <laughs> crank in a single <laughs> Yeah, here we go. Welcome to, welcome I'm to Mr. personally Toad's a fan right. of the four-cylinder no, twin crank. No. Huge motors that we use for the generators at the power plant uh-huh. have common have two crankshafts, common combustion chamber. Oh, really? So they run like this. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So they're 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 literally punching each other. Right. They're smashing each other's heads. So if you look at like the swept area, yeah. and the, uh, like the stroke, yeah. Imagine the stro- your stroke is your uh, expansion in your cylinder sure. is twice as much, so you would think the efficiency would be much higher. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. You're sharing combustion chamber. That's going to save all but kinds of mass around But your weight would be so high to right. have a to make double crankshaft. So. Yeah, it's crazy. The, uh, what I thought was interesting about the thing is everybody on every forum is saying, God, you know, it's just like the Ducati Sport Classic or, you know, the Ducati 1000 Sport. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, in my, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want it to be like the Ducati 1000. <laughs> Hopefully it's a little more comfortable. <laughs> I wasn't at all happy with the Ducati. I, I was completely let down with the Ducati. It was painful to ride. It was horribly painful to ride. 
and even though it was the Ducati two valve 1000cc motor, I really thought that there was a lot to be left to the imagination out of that bike. And I think that this thing <clears throat> is going to be head and shoulders over that. Now, I think I have, I have a certain, just like it looks like you took, it looks like you grabbed a Bonneville and pulled the emergency inflation handle on it. Because every part of this new 1200 is just thicker. Like, the shocks are thicker. Everything's thicker. And it does look almost like a comic-y, you know, um, a comic book motorcycle where everything is kind of just chubby. Like, every component of it looks thick and solid and the whole deal. And I wonder if, you know, it doesn't have any kind of a spindly look. It has a very girthy look. Like, every part of it is thicker than it needs to be. So I wonder if that's going to translate into a lot of weight. It resembles that rebar. Well, yeah, because that is Which the is one thing. contrary to the stylistic look. Correct. Cafe racers are meant to be stripped down lightweight. And, and the thinner. Ducati was very lightweight. The Ducati mm. was light. And the Ducati did have that lightness going for it. And I'm worried by looking at this that it looks very girthy. It looks really thick. Yeah, heck yeah, man. You know what? I'm looking at this Tiki. Not to, cha not to <laughs> change the subject. Squirrel. <laughs> Yeah, this is a squirrel, but that thing is that one angry teak. It's spitting embers like five feet away from yeah. its mouth. I, this is this well. Is, the good thing is that's is what that all there, good no tiki gods do. Right. It's. <laughs> I think it needs a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very angry tiki burner, and uh, it served me well. I've been it would have been cool if you had cut eyes, openings, slits, so you could see the fire. Well, you normally can. Yeah. You oh, you can. can? Yeah. You can oh, see I do. Fire. I can't see that. Yeah, now. you can see. There's, there's holes. I'm at the wrong angle to be able to see it. So <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, when you're laying on the ground, you can't see much. The uh, yeah, John McElfresh is ah. to be attributed for this tiki design. And this uh, awesome burner. We have I mean, Twiggy here pulling all the twigs off the ground. He's cleaning up the yard. He's the yard crew. Tiki's mouth is a sacrifice. Yeah. I think you should throw your hat in there. I won't. Oh, wow. That's... You look like you're ready Man. to go rob a bank. We got the temperature right on that right now. Boy, that's delicious. That's, yeah, it is delicious. That is delicious. That is the perfect recipe. So that's Patterson uh, Apple Farm Cider. So it's local. And then... Uh, that's that Elmira Gulch, or whatever the hell it is, whiskey with the cinnamon. Isaiah Elmira Gulch. Elmira Gulch. <laughs> Jeremiah Weed. Jeremiah Weed. Yulaly Shin. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, Second that's. one, half doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All I know is we got the perfect combination of, of autumn happening right now. This is the, I can smell the wood burning. We oh. have the crackles of the fire. I've we got, have some fantastic chemistry going on. We have got the ambiance. With like, just the, the Jeremiah Gulch being heated up to the point yeah. where it's molecularly fusing. Fusing with the cider. With the cider. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Because I thought that Gulch, the cinnamon in that, was yeah. too much for me. Yeah. When that's... I tasted that whiskey straight. Mm -hmm. But now mixed. Uh, and you thought well, no, they were just motorcycles. Fused yeah. molecularly. It is fused at a molecular level. It's fused at a molecular level with the apple cider. I'm going to make sure to invite uh, Shane to come down here and have the best fantastic. cup of cider he's ever had. The, uh, so, that's if he's so not I, like building I, my, an outhouse. The verdict's out on that bike for me, though. Yeah. Because I didn't like the old ones. And more of something I didn't like, does that make, <clears> does that any make better it better for me? Right, exactly. So maybe the power plant's a little bit better. Holy 
price but I, that's I'd high. have to ride one to see if I really, you know, if well, it's yeah. really worth. Watch your I want to see the price. And yeah, realistically, the price is true. That's that's what kind of turned me off. Well, I knew the Africa Twin was going to be high. Right. And when I right. saw the price, I mean, I, it's not How that bad. It's like fourteen thousand bucks. Oh, right. Fuck, really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It so is. that puts it out of my price range. range of five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know when fuck we're CC? when we're talking about you know when I spent four thousand dollars on a motorcycle this year, right. it was like the, as if the world fucking ceased to exist. Yeah, it was the biggest motorcycle purchase of your life. Yeah, and that's really. You know, when we're and that talking was after about, buying a brand new scooter off of you. Right, exactly. It was, it was right. more than that. I think when we're talking, in this podcast, when oh. we're talking about this bike, we're basically all talking about the someday in the distant future when one will find its way into our grubby little hands. <coughs> you know, And it might be four years away, it might be six years away, it might be eight years away. But the point being, who knows, we might all be on hover bikes by then. But it is fun to talk about because it is a new thing, you know? I think we'll be on bikes that are powered by fuel cells. Yeah. I think that's probably the future. Yeah, I watched a uh, commercial today, an online, a YouTube commercial, and I'll put the link to it in the show notes, but it's about an electric bicycle motorcycle that Saw is that. like a zombie apocalypse movie where it looks is like they the filmed green the, thing? the Walking Dead. No, it's red, no. but they basically set up a very small movie where this woman has to get the supplies to her outpost in a certain amount of time and she takes off on this electric bicycle slash motorcycle dirt bike thing and uh the funny thing is like in the movie in this very short movie that they filmed they show her running out of battery and so it's like she physically overuses the bike and runs out of battery and the zombies don't get her they get the guys on the dirt bikes and the bicycles which is weird but she pedals this thing in and so for the last 90 seconds of the video, she's actually pedaling it through the gates of their compound. <laughs> and you can tell when she's pedaling it, not since the poop moped has anything ever pedaled so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> the chain ring on the front of this bicycle, the chain ring on the front of this bike and the chain ring on the back of the bike are the exact same size. <laughs> and any bicycle person in the world will tell you that does not work. If your front chain ring and your back chain ring are identically the same size, you are not going to have any fun pedaling it. And you see her pedaling this thing through the gates. She's going about four miles an hour, and you can tell it looks like she's pedaling a 300-pound electric bike because that's exactly what she's doing. <laughs> and you're just like, honey, I know that you're doing it to show that even with a dead battery, you can still get home. You know what? I would get off the damn thing and push it because it'll be a damn sight easier than trying to pedal it. Were they using slow zombies or fast zombies? Uh, fortunately, I, I think they were using medium zombies, but... If they would have been using rage virus zombies, her ass would have been toast a long time ago. The uh, yeah, and the funny thing is, when she takes off, it's as though the guys on the gasoline-powered two-stroke dirt bikes couldn't catch her. And that's the one thing I will tell mm. you is, if you've got a two-stroke-powered 125 or 250 dirt bike, there ain't a lot in the world you can't catch. You know? Yeah. And there ain't a zombie in the world that's going to catch you. I'll tell you what you can't catch is the Mount Pleasant Wheelie Kings. Oh, in the news again? <laughs> oh, no. Here we go with the rain. Are they in the news again? Oh. Yeah, yeah. They're well, stealing more bikes, those little bastards. 3.3 Are they really? Yeah. Wow. The electric bike is 0 to 60 and 3.3? No, that's the uh, zero. Oh. High-end zero is, I think it's 3.3 seconds to 60. Oh, yeah, we had one of those. Yeah, we had one of those in the shop. You did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had one of those in the shop. Blown-up yeah, motor. Right. The motor's still sitting in the shop. No, zero. Oh. 
Mm. Last year, the year before last. Yeah, they, they bought them by a variety. They brought them by, and they were basically yeah. peddling them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> us, I mean, yeah, they were trying to trying to get us to sign a contract. <laughs> these uh, these new electric bicycles are eleven thousand dollars a piece. The ones with the zombie <laughs> apocalypse video. But yeah. the the zero at least the zero is in a proper motorcycle for that money. But yeah, they, for that, that would, I would buy a zero before I buy something well, of like course that. You would. Yeah. When that stuff catches on, I'm going to start a new business of making oversized wax coated <coughs> playing cards uh, for the spokes. Clothespins. Yes. Yes. For the spokes. So you can simulate the sound of your favorite motorcycle. <laughs> or, or just that fake bicycle exhaust you can buy. Yeah. yeah I got it looks one. like an exhaust I'm can. old school. I'm old school. I want the, I want the playing cards and clothespins. Well, I, I had one of the first electric bikes. I had a giant 500-watt electric bike. It had like a 92,000-pound lead-acid battery underneath the seat. Actually, the bike weighed 80 pounds. Really? That's a heavy bicycle. It had a trailer with the battery on it. And I got it in trade for some work I was doing, and somebody traded it to me, and I rode that thing everywhere. Really? And it was was pedal assist, so it wasn't actually, you couldn't just ride it like a motorcycle. No, you had to be pretending to pedal. Right. So I would ride it. I I could go about 30 miles (laughs) before the battery was dead, and... You know, it was fairly pleasant if the battery was actually functional. Right. As soon as the battery went dead, forget it. It had seven gears. Yep. <clears throat> but it was like pedaling. <laughs> it was like it was like putting a battleship like a a chain around your neck and dragging a battleship behind you. And so after I rode that for a while, I just went back to my mountain bike. I have an A2B Metro in the garage right now, and the A2B Metro is considered to be the cutting edge of electric bicycles with the LiPo battery and the whole deal. Yep. It'll go about 21 miles with me helping. You know, with me helping, it's not pedal assist; it's full throttle. You can just have no, not pedal at all. But some states have different laws about that. But what I will tell you is, I was out doing my errands around here in Avon Lake the other day, and I had made it up to Walmart. That area, I was up at Best Buy, <coughs> and that was when my battery decided to die. So I had to pedal all the way from Best Buy down to here. Oof! It's a couple miles, you know, whatever. But I had to pedal it like it was a seven-speed mountain bike, and you're absolutely right. This was the most humiliating seven-speed mountain bike I had ever pedaled in my life. It was the equivalent of having your really fat friend sitting on the back of it, and you're trying to keep it going. There was no gear that was the right gear. The tall gears, well, they were way too tall. And the short gears were like a moped thing where you're just like, oh, really? Why am I even pedaling it? And I kept waiting for a slow granny to drive by so I could grab her mirror and tow home. (laughs) You know, I wanted it to work so badly. I did, too. I wanted my A2B experience to be awesome, but it really wasn't but awesome. But it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. When you pedal, doesn't it charge the battery? Well, yeah, it does. And my A2B... That's why it's so bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is a brushless motor, but on the A2B... It's like running in water. On the A2B, when you see the, the batteries going low, you can coast, get off the power, coast it, and pedal, pedal and to get the speed up. And you will charge the battery. You will generate enough electricity that when you do come to the hill you don't want to pedal up, there'll be a little candy there for you to get, up, get you up the hill. And that's nice. You know, that's cool. But realistically, had I just been riding my actual bicycle that I own, which is from the 60s, I could have pedaled the entire route that I took. It would have been easier. Yeah, and it would have been basically. It would have been better than that three-mile pedal home with no motor. Um, I would have burned. I think I would have burned less calories overall making the twenty-mile loop on a regular pedal bike than the three miles home, dragging a sixty-five-pound bicycle underneath my ass. Yeah, well, yeah. someday that. T- at that point, it's like you're on an exocycle when you're in, turning up the torque. At that, yes, and at that <laughs> point, all I felt like was, God, I've got the weird, the weirdest-looking bicycle in the world, 
and I'm pedaling it slower than anybody's ever pedaled a bicycle in the world. <laughs> and I would have been faster on one of like my grandmother's old tricycles, you know, one of those old people trikes. Take that and put through two marine batteries in the basket. You could probably go for a day or two. And that's why it would be nice if they had a reserve. Like if they broke those batteries up into like two-thirds and oh. a third. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Or half and half. So you knew when you hit, when you went down on your first <clears throat> battery, at least you knew you had to get home. Anybody who rides a Moto Guzzi knows that when the reserve light comes on on the dashboard, you yep. are nowhere near the bottom of the gas tank. You can ride for another week. It's like the PC. The PC. Well, The oh, PC yeah. goes 70 miles, and it's already on empty. It's on empty. Yeah, exactly. My PC my PC hits the needle for empty at 105 miles, and then I can go another 30 miles if I'm feeling very cocky. But when I hit that needle at 105 miles, I become the short-shifting champion of the planet. I'm getting diesel-like mileage. Once that thing hits the needle, and I'm like, I don't want to not make it to the gas station. It hits, it hits reserve at 105. At 105 miles, miles you're hitting the, the you're hitting the E. At, it doesn't have That's a reserve a tiny per se. Gas tank. It's a, the it's gas four, isn't it? It's 4.2. Yeah, 4.2 if you drain it all the way. But I've never really been able. I've never, I've never personally put more than 3.4 gallons in the bike because that's where the E is, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to expire it. You don't but, want to be stuck. But the the PC800 should have more range than 130 miles. It I mean, should. I was going to say, on, on the, the TRZ, <clears throat> yeah. at about 85-ish miles per hour, yeah. my reserve might kick on. I didn't even let it kick on. Right. I mean, it might even be 90 miles. Uh, I said per hour before. Yeah, but, but 90 miles like, range. Yeah, but yeah. 90 miles range. Yeah. Uh, and every time I fill it up, it's like 1.4 gallons right. of gas. Right, Exactly. Right. But the fuel economy, I'm sure you don't yeah. get as good a fuel economy as me because no. you ride a lot faster than yeah. I do. But that thing, the best I've seen on it was 45 miles yeah. per gallon. Yeah, a PC800 so, for I'm me like gets around 38. Right. So yeah. you're you're lucky because you yeah. probably have more range than we do on those bikes. Right. But, well, I yeah. mean, I rape the shit out of that thing, too, and I'm, I'm surprised I get 80. When it comes to motorcycle, we raped the shit out of him. When it, we gave him an old number not seven. The children, we raped the shit out of him. We gave it the old number seven. The uh, <laughs> well, what's That's the number where we seven? Go ride. Let me extend this Laurel and Hardy handshake. That's where we go. Ride. If you haven't watched the movie Blazing Open Saddles, you need it. to. Yeah. That is one of Everything the greatest inside, movies ever. Everything inside, the life. Yeah. The. Uh, that's what's really shoot with this hand. The, the, I love that movie. <laughs> Squirrel! Squirrel! This, this is 1874. We'll sue her. <laughs> We're talking about Hedy Lamar. Blazing Squirrel. Yeah. I love that movie. The weird thing about motorcycles when it comes to mileage is... Oh, baby, 15 is my limit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Go watch Blazing Saddles. That's our that's our tip. Go find Blazing Saddles and watch it. We were it. not endorsed to do this. Right. Uh, but you need to watch that movie. The uh <clears throat> so, I have, I, so you want to hear a joke? Go ahead, give us a joke. Squirrel. So a woman is worried about the size of her opening. So she goes to her mother. She's she still, says, what I, am I, I gonna thought this was about a speech. <laughs> like she was giving a speech. About the size of her opening. She's gonna have a grand opening. <laughs> So she goes to her mother and says, what am I going to do? I'm so big down there when I marry Harry, he's going to divorce me. Her mother says, do what, don't worry, honey, it runs in the family. Uh, do what I did when I married your father. Go to the market and get some raw liver and put it in down there and they'll never know the difference. So she does. Hey, get out of my light. 
guys ah. trying to read by firelight. Yeah, no kidding. This is a family podcast. <laughs> so that so they have eight hours of sex after their marriage. She wakes up at ten the ne- ten o'clock the next morning and he's gone. But there's a note by her on her pillow, and it says, "My darling Harriet." To think that I waited a year to consummate our loving relationship makes my heart beat so loudly. I'm surprised it didn't wake you up. The only reason I'm not here right now, darling, is that I'm at work to make enough money to buy you a house, a picket fence, we'll have dogs and children. When the five o'clock dinner bell rings, I will be home like the winged gossamer of love in your arms. Your loving husband, Harry. P.S. Your cunt is in the sink. <laughs> oh my <clears throat> oh well oh jeez my god that's wow that's for anybody who watches Archer uh, no that's from uh... I know but Archer had a robot bride who had removable cleanable parts uh, the uh... you hear the people singing at the bar is that the bar oh my god I think it is. No, they enjoyed the joke. Oh, they did. We did get a round of applause. <laughs> Where's it? I don't know. It's right. high school. No, there. it's right there. No, that Some. was Marty Funk. It's got to be the bar. It's, it's got to be the bar. They're hooting and hollering too. <clears throat> the uh, well, the calves probably won or something. What's absolutely hilarious? You're talking about mileage, and I've got a customer that rides a 1400, you know, <laughs> California 1400, and he Try brings. <laughs> He comes in and he's just absolutely stoked. He comes in and he goes, you know, I got, I got 43 miles to the gallon, 44 miles to the gallon on my last tank. And you think it's a 1,400cc motorcycle that weighs 700 pounds, and he's getting well over 40 miles to the gallon. That's good. I mean, that's, that's impressive. And that's because these companies are really squeezing the shit out of the gasoline and, and really putting, putting everything you're paying for to the back wheel. He's pulling the clutch in when he uh, goes downhill. I think he's shutting the motor off at red lights. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, he put, he put the Agostini pipes on. He's not going to get that mileage anymore because he's going to stroke it just to hear the pipes. The, uh, that's, that's the best thing to kill he's your mileage. Miler. You put anybody who puts a good set of pipes on their bike all of a sudden loses all kinds of mileage. And it's not the pipes. It's the sound. And you, once you get a good sounding set of pipes on your bike, you just want to listen to them all the time. And I'll bet you I went through a quarter of a tank of gas with my bike still in the showroom. <laughs> just starting it up for people so they could hear the pipes. Yeah, you did it for me. Oh, I've done it for everybody. They come into the shop and I'm like, dude, you got to come over here and hear this. And I fire the bike up and they're all, everybody gets all excited because it sounds That's true. delightful. Yeah. Yeah. A good sounding motorcycle is like, Yoshi said on mine. It's right. Of angels. Fucking. It is the sound of the angels fucking. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's so perfect. Yeah. And a good. I'm glad I get quoted on that a lot. You do. And we give that, we give credit all the time. Dustin says it sounds like angels fucking. And you know, I had a bike go by me the other day on the freeway, and I was in the car, and this you know Honda Shadow goes by, and it had what I could only describe as the worst sounding set of pipes I'd ever heard in my life, and it went by, and it just sounded like a it sounded like a rototiller or some horrible piece of yard equipment, and when I when he went by, I was like, oh, I gotta see what pipes those are. They sound like crap, and it was just literally shotguns, and it was like two shotgun pipes, and they sounded so piss poor. And how they can they not know it sounds like shit? You know, if you're sitting on the bike and it sounds great... It was probably tuned like crap, too. You know, it's just it's just the, the thing. I mean, exhaust systems are essentially a musical instrument. And if you if, you're, if your musical instrument is just a straight piece of two-inch tubing, it's not going to sound great. 
You know? Yeah, you're gonna sound like. <laughs> yeah, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like crap. My goal is to have a set of pipes that puts out like five hertz to invoke fear in everyone. <laughs> Oh. No, just the brown note. Oh. Oh, what's that they said? The Michael Bay, like Michael Bay movies, the Inception sound. So like the the sound of modern science fiction movies where they go, boom. They just throw that in. Boom. Yeah, it's just that bass drop. Yeah, it's the bass drop. Yeah, they just put that into every movie now. They slow the they slow the film down, and they have that like slow motion scene where it just goes boom. That's what you want your bike to sound like. So everybody near you is just gonna shit their pants instantly. I don't know what came over me. I just had to shit. <laughs> he started his motorcycle and I pooped. The brown note's a farce, though. That's the brown note is a farce. It's <laughs> not a real thing. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that fucking gag's been going around for like know, 20 years. Of course. It's, it's, it's a fun gag. I mean, the idea is great. You know, the idea of a, a some, note. It, it always started off as some DJ learned uh, how to tune his system to make people shit their pants. Oh, well, yeah. When he hit a certain well, note in the club. 16 hertz. You can go lower, but nobody's yeah. going to hear it. <laughs> well, no one's going to hear it lower than 20 hertz. Or 20 hertz, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 20 hertz. You can go lower, but nobody's going to hear if it. If you have pristine hearing. Right. Yeah. And what? You might, right. Huh? Well, shake anything 20 times, and then you've created a sound wave that you might be able to hear. If you're if you're not Chris Smith. <laughs> well, I, I can't hear anything. Just not when you're peeing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't shake it 20 times in a second. <laughs> you shake it 20 times in a second, you probably got a problem. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Or you had a great huh? time. Mm-hmm. Well, then. Absolutely. The uh, I've actually, I mean, to bring it back to something that's remotely podcast-oriented. <laughs> uh, no, I, like, I pulled the KLR out, and I'm riding the KLR all the time now. And since I put the heated grips on the KLR, it's become a whole new world. Like, it's just, it's perfect. And the other, uh, yesterday morning, before I arrived at the shop, I did 62 <clears throat> miles, and it was 44 degrees. And I did 62 miles without a windshield, without any extreme clothing. I just had on my flannel line pants. I had my normal boots on. I had on my, my midwinter gloves, or my early winter gloves. And I had on my regular riding jacket with a hoodie underneath. And I was comfortable. Like, 62 <laughs> miles of... Stop and go, some freeway, some not. And I got off the bike and I was like, man, that's what heated grips does. Heated grips takes all the energy you normally spend going, I think I'm really cold. And it turns that energy into, my hands are so warm. <laughs> you forget about the rest of your body. Well, when your hands are cold, you forget about the rest of your body. And when your hands are hot, you forget about the rest of your body too. And I still won't run those fuckers on high. I run them on low because I'm like paranoid about the battery loss, like the, you know, the drain I'm putting on the system by running them on high. So I run them on low and even on low, they're plenty fucking warm. You know, I've never really needed to put them on high. And one of my customers, I was just doing work on his Moto Guzzi Norge. Mm-hmm. I heated grips on that thing too. So I took it out for a ride today and man, within five minutes, those grips are toasty. Yeah. I'm you a know? fan of heated grips. Yeah. For 70 or 90 bucks, you can buy the Coso set. If you guys do want heated grips and you're not sure where to buy them, just call our shop or email us. I will send you heated grips for, like, I think they're 72 bucks for the Kosos, which have the, the multiple levels. I think it's a four-position heater on them. And you can install them. They take 20 minutes to install. Just put them into, like, your headlight circuit or something so that when the key's off, the grips are off. Because yesterday, <laughs> two days ago... <laughs> So when I did my and, heated and grips... And why is that, that you want a, a, an ignition-switched yeah. circuit? Well, it turns out, John, 
Glad you brought that up. Uh, on Monday, on Monday, I was out running around on the KLR, and it was cold out, so I was running the heated grips. And to be smart, because I was thinking, I ran my heated grips on a relay right to my battery, direct to the source. So I ran my heated grips directly to the to the battery, and I figured I'm a smart person. I'll always remember to turn them off. And apparently I am not a smart person because when I parked the bike Monday to go do my pickups and deliveries, I went out and did all my pickups and deliveries, came back and looked forward to a nice ride on the bike, went out to the parking lot and realized it is no fun to try to bump start a KLR 650. But your grips are warm. No, my grips were probably warm for an hour. (laughs) But nobody got to appreciate them. The birds in the parking lot were probably sitting on my grips going, oh, this is toasty. (laughs) Back here tomorrow. Come over here. Come over here. Sit down on this. It's it's, it's like finding a sewer grate. It's like a Snow White situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tweedly-deedly-dee. They're all on my grips. But, yeah, when I got out, my battery, there's never been a battery in the history of batteries that was so dead. It was clinically killed. Like, you couldn't have executed my battery better than my grips did. So I did try, even though we all talk about it in the podcast, right? This is that Mm. stupid situation. Even though I knew that my battery was dead as a brick, I still bump-started the bike twice. I tried to bump-start the bike twice, knowing I had not a single electron roaming around that battery. (laughs) And after the second attempt, furious attempt, at bump-starting that bike on dry land, flat ground... And this is a KLR650. It's a big bike. Not an easy bike to No, start. no. And just like just getting your inertia up and then clambering up onto the seat <laughs> to try and affect the bump start. It's like, like jumping over a, that ladder. It's like right. jumping over a moving <laughs> fence. Pull up the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it was like trying to bump start a powerboat. Um, it was just about impossible. <laughs> or a jet ski. A jet ski. Right? Yeah, it was, I'm sure the neighbors had a good time looking at me, watching me, trying to do it. But I did. I, I took it up to the top of the parking lot because it's like one inch higher than the bottom of the parking lot so i took it up to the top of the parking lot so i'd have some mechanical advantage and i pushed my guts out across the entire parking lot went down the tiny apron and i made sure that when it was going down the tiny apron i grabbed the clutch in second gear at the same time just the transmission drag of putting it in second gear stopped the motorcycle <laughs> i never got to enjoy the the the, the rolled over the stops once she's rolled over to stoplight down the parkway hill. <laughs> that one might start it i tried it twice it did not it work doesn't really well yeah, no because you're stuck down you're, at the bottom of the you're hill. stuck at the bottom of the hill <laughs> get, you gotta go over and tie it up or chain it up to steve's boat you just <laughs> burn it <laughs> you light it on fire and walk away like the heroes in the movies the uh yeah i learned two times bump starting it and i was like and I was fully bundled up because I put all my gear back on to go out on the road. So two good solid attempts at the bump start, and I was sweating into every layer I had. So I put the damn thing on. I took it in the shop. I put it on the Optimate, and I took a little Buddy 125 <laughs> <laughs> and went and did my errands on the Buddy 125. And I the lack of, of heated grips. Oh, my God. The Buddy 125 with no heated grips, and I had all kinds of errands to run that day downtown. So I was looking at buildings downtown. I came back like three hours later. You have to stop at Porco because you're downtown. Of course. So I stopped at Porco for about an <laughs> it's hour. That's a rule. That's... On the buddy. <laughs> and so when I got done at Porco, I wanted to make sure I was back to the shop before the sun went down. So the sun goes down now in about seven seconds. So it's like yeah. 542. And then the sun goes down. <laughs> 442. Wait till damn tomorrow. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, oh, that gets God. to be about 215. Daylight savings times. Oh, oh, you bastards. It's the worst thing. Fucking kids' school so buses racing the sun to get to my house. <laughs> I brought a bu- I brought a buddy one twenty five home on I ninety. 
I wanted to take a picture <laughs> of the speedometer so bad because I had a tailwind. It had the, the speedometer was going. It like had the that. little windshield on. It. <laughs> yeah, it had the little windshield on it, and I had a tailwind, and the speedometer was touching <laughs> seventy-five miles an hour. Holy on a Buddy one twenty-five. Now we're going to tell for the sake of the podcast listeners, the Buddy speedometer is not empirically accurate. No, not right. at all. So realistically, that seventy-five indicated was probably sixty-eight, sixty-five, something still, like that. Man. But still, a one twenty-five Buddy with ten-inch mm-hmm. wheels. Was doing some serious hustling with my ass on it at uh, at freeway speeds, and I knew I was having fun because I was on I ninety and I was right with traffic. Nobody was behind <laughs> me. Nobody was you know passing. Nobody was flipping me off because I'm on a scooter on the freeway. I was in a full fetal position tuck on that bike. I was like, if I was brave enough, I'd take a picture <coughs> of that speedometer right now. But I didn't have the balls to. Yeah. I mean, like, one more cocktail, and I would have taken a picture of that speedometer. <laughs> <laughs> one more or one less? One yeah. more, man. Yeah, one, one more. more. One more, and I would have taken it. And I didn't have a helmet on. I was running. I was running oh, dirty. Yeah. Oof. Well, I was overheated nice. from pushing the bike, right? So I was overheated from the pushing the bike. So I was like, I'm sweating. I'm just going to run around and look at a few buildings. I don't really need a helmet for that. So I had no helmet on. But then my looking at buildings, I was more efficient than I thought I was. So I kept heading further, further, further east. Well, like I said, by the time I ended up at Porco, <laughs> you know. So then I drove back in the... By the time I was looking at that building by Porco... It was 45 degrees, it was dark, and I had no helmet. Well, after a few drinks of Porco, you don't need heated grips anyway. No, yeah, really. <clears throat> yeah. No. yeah, when I got back to the shop, heat was not my biggest issue. I was mostly just hoping the battery would have charged up enough on the KLR <laughs> yeah, to get me home. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Uh-huh. No, it didn't. Yeah, so the then ba- you rerouted the charging to the... Uh, no, I just jumped in one of the trucks. The dilithium <laughs> I jumped in one of the many trucks that were there. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of extra trucks. Like, we always have extra trucks. There's trucks fucking everywhere. We got a couple of trucks in Menor. We got a couple of trucks in Lakewood. A couple of trucks in my driveway. The occasional bus scattered about for good measure. You just never... No, I don't think anybody could maintain the Rolodex I maintain in my skull of which of my vehicles are where. Yikes. Think about it. There is nine. There is nine four-wheeled vehicles. So there's nine four-wheeled vehicles. Well, there's, well, eight, and one of them has six wheels. That's the bus. But you do have to kind of keep a, a little bit of a thing about what is where, and you know. So you have to think like, I need, I need this kind of a vehicle. Oh, I have one there. You know. So. But it's yeah. yeah, that's what I, I try to keep them spread out too. Okay, keep them spread out. You don't yeah. want to ever have them all no, in the same place. All like people might think you had a problem. <laughs> if you put them all in one driveway, people yes. would think you were having a party. The dumbest, weirdest party ever. Sounds like my plan for you know my. Uh... Well, you never know where that <laughs> mob hint's going to come for you. <laughs> yeah, you need that. No, you need to circle somewhere. your wagons. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, and that's the other. The other thing too is it's like invariably. We always have a couple of trucks at the Lakewood store, and that comes in handy more than you could ever imagine. Because we've been able to store pallets in that one truck for at least two weeks yeah. now. <laughs> it's been useless. Yeah, yeah, it's been just it's just been lumber storage area for a little while. Speaking of pallets, why don't you fire up this fire here? Yeah, we need to throw another oh, log on the fire. Fine. Yeah. The Hoff will throw another. Uh, anyone need to freshen up their uh, hot toddy? Of We're actually at the end no. of our podcast. We are at the end of our podcast. Yeah. So, you guys, it was really nice spending a, a nice, enchanting, chilly. Fall evening with you. The uh, that's good stuff. If anybody would like, uh, we'll post our cider recipe. It has no, two ingredients. That's a sehr gut. That's a sehr gut. <laughs> booze and, uh, and cider. Booze and cider. Yeah. And fire. Oh booze yeah. Booze and cider. Booze and cider. Well, booze and, we, and cider. Booze and cider. I will tell you that. Ooh, <clears throat> listen to that. 
boy, grab the bratwurst. The griddle's ready to go. <laughs> Whose was that? Is that yours? That's All right. I think it's hot. It's hot. Fuck. Sorry, man. <laughs> I just, I just handed it. I made the mistake. I set the coffee mug on the top of the. I set the Steve coffee. Steve broke mug. the thing. No, he didn't. No, it, no, it, it just goes up in there. Oh, and, uh, okay. yeah. Yep, but yep. if you do that, it doesn't get enough air. So you, you leave the carburetor open a little bit. The, uh, I'm sorry, man. I set the coffee oh, mug on right. top of the burner. Wait, yeah. I, well, I saw All it right. sitting up there too. <laughs> don't third degree, out, third degree burns on your coffee, coffee mug. Coffee mug burns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The, uh, all right, so does anybody please, else have sir, anything important for the podcast? More? Oh, would you like a ladle? Please, sir. There you go. Here's your ladle. Please, sir. Uh, all right, is anybody else? Just, I just want to tell everybody that I hope you stay safe, and because this is getting to the point where it's the deer are crazy. Oh, my God. The deer, the deer are in bananas. Yeah. And they're all over the road, and yeah. it's during the day, during the night. It's they're, they're everywhere. The so picture please I posted, be safe. The picture I posted on my Facebook of the six-pointer in my backyard, he had to be 240 pounds. He was big, real big, and he cleared a four-foot fence like it was his job. But I realized I had my full gear on. I was going out to my motorcycle, so I had my full-face helmet on. I had all my armored gear on. So you're like, I'm going to buck with this mother. Well, you know what? I really, I would have never <laughs> approached. I would have never approached a deer for a photo op as close as I got to that one. But I really did. I was like, look at all the gear I'm wearing. I'm geared up. I got a chance, you know. And uh, so I got up close to him and I took that picture. And he looked at me, and I didn't think I was in trouble until I saw his massive boner. And like, <laughs> at that point, I was like, oh, that's right, man. The deer are in rut. So you can't approach a deer these days, man. I'm in rut, actually. <laughs> You're in rut. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a rut. The, uh, but, but my God, man, yeah. I mean, the deer now are just bold. They will, they will go out in front of your car. They will not yield. And when you get out, they'll steal your car. <laughs> yeah. They'll try and fuck it. They'll, try and fuck it. they'll fuck it, and then they'll try to steal it. That's exactly it. You'll end up with... And they won't put any gas in it. No, they won't. They're, yeah, they're deer are inconsiderate. Like they won't even right. put they're any like gas teenagers. in it first. They're like teenagers. They won't put any gas in your car, and they eat all your hostas. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, on that, remember, Steve please, wants you to know to watch out for wet leaves and be chanceless. <laughs> no. No, by all means, always drive fast and take chances. Fireside. The mellow nose goes so, in my driveway. It is so ambient. Yeah, the ambience. It's sublime. Try not to annoy the neighbors. <laughs> okay, get out the Roman candles. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Fireworks.